Alrighty. Hey, well, welcome everyone. Kia ora. Anyohaseo. Ni hao. Apakaba. Well, I get to share on week two of our In Secret series. And Pastor Shane shared a great word last week on prayer, which I found really inspiring. Today, I get to talk about fasting. Uh, initially, I thought that was exciting. I could talk about all the things that go fast in my life. Uh, but it turns out it's not that at all. So, um, but it's still going to be great. And I believe God's got something really important for all of us here today. But let me start by sharing this story I came across this week about a woman uh, who was writing about how her husband one, uh, at dinner one evening announced to the family that he was going to fast and pray. Their five-year-old daughter, Ginny, had recently learned that fasting meant not eating, and she kind of shouted, you can't fast, Dad, you're going to die. And of course, Dad carefully explained what fasting was and how actually you know, many, many, many people in the Bible, they fasted as well. Unfortunately, this didn't comfort Jenny. Her eyes went wide and she said, yeah, and they are all dead. <laughs> now, fasting is going without food for a period of time, right? Christians uh, fast. That's one of those things that it's not unique to the Christian faith, but it does happen. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm always a little bit intimidated by those uh, brothers and sisters of ours who are great at fasting, who fast lots, I just, that's a little bit beyond me. And then, of course, there's those real giants of the faith who do what Jesus did and fast 40 days. Maybe you've seen someone on social media or a leader somewhere who's doing that. Look, honestly, it's a pretty incredible thing, make no mistake. I'm not sure if I could pull that off. I'm not sure if I have that willpower. I'm also not sure that I'd survive it. I mean, look at me. I'm pretty skinny, right? If I fasted for 40 days... It's actually possible that I could actually just disappear. Uh, after 40 days of fasting like this, then I'd be so skinny I'd have to run around in the shower just to get wet. I suspect that after 40 days, I would just simply blow away the strong wind. So if you don't see me fasting for 40 days, I'm just letting you know that there's solid reasons behind that, okay? It's just not safe for me. Now, Fasting, however, is something that we are meant to do as we're going to explore together today. Mostly, we see fasting in a couple of, in a couple of areas. One is in weight loss. You know, intermittent fasting or other things are, are pretty popular right now. We occasionally see fasting for political pressure when someone will go on a hunger strike or something like that. The problem with that is, is it means that fasting within those two areas is either for vanity or for coercion, and uh, that's not the kind of fasting that we are talking about today. Fasting for Christ followers is what we need to understand. It's a spiritual discipline that isn't actually that widely practiced and I think is largely misunderstood, yet it is all throughout the Scriptures. Abraham's servant fasted when he was seeking a bride for Isaac. Some of you young men, maybe that's the answer, right? Go with, go with that a few meals and you'll find the girl you're looking for. <laughs> Moses fasted on several occasions, including when God gave him the Ten Commandments. Hannah fasted as she prayed desperately for a child. And if you read that story, God answered her prayer and she conceived. David fasted on several occasions, including one when he was hoping God would heal his dying child. God didn't answer that prayer, and his child died. Ezra fasted when he was mourning Israel's faithlessness. Nehemiah fasted when he was preparing to travel back to the destroyed city of Jerusalem. 
Esther fasted when God's people were faced with extermination. Daniel fasted on numerous occasions, including for 21 days when he was desperate to hear God on an issue. The people of Nineveh fasted, including all of their cattle, though I suspect the cattle may not have been willing participants. Jesus fasted as he was preparing to begin his public ministry. Paul fasted at the point of his conversion. The Christians at Antioch fasted when they sent off Paul and Barnabas on their mission endeavor. And Paul and others fasted when they appointed elders in all of the churches that they had planted. Not only that, Christians throughout history, great and small, have fasted. And obviously, fasting is not confined to the Christian faith. Zoroaster fasted, Confucius fasted, the yogis of India fast, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, they all fasted. The fact that people in and out of Scripture fast does not make it right, does not even necessarily make it a good thing, but it does mean that it's intriguing because it's a widely practiced discipline. There must be something behind it. And that's what we need to look at today. So we're going to go to our text for this series in Matthew 6. And I'm going to start in in the very first bit of Scripture, which sets the platform for everything else we're going to talk about today. So go with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus teaching his disciples, he says, now listen to this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, listen to this, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Very interesting. Now Jesus then went on to talk about praying and fasting and giving, but this introduction is critical. Jesus is saying, you do these things to be seen. You do them so that you get a little bit of Glory, a little bit of mana, a little bit of a little bit of kudos. You do that for that reason, and that's all that you are going to get. That will be your reward from God. And let me quote the scripture: "There will be no reward for doing those things." Now, that is really important, right? Because because what Jesus is saying is that whatever God would have done to bless you as a result of that is now off the table. Why? Because God knows how insidious and how destructive and pervasive pride is. So he's saying, you do this in secret, just between you and me, and I will reward you. Not even I will, I will be there and I will meet you and I will meet the need that you have, but I will, on top of that, I will reward you. That's what reward means. But you let it kind of leak out. You let people know, just on the quiet, like just humbly, just, but if you just let them know, so there's just a little bit of glory coming your way, then in terms of what you receive for that, that's it. Important, big deal. So then, the question, right, is well, what is this reward that Jesus says we'll have if we'll go to him and seek it? What is that thing? Now, to understand that, we need to go back to when Jesus started this bit of teaching, which is back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And what he talks about is his blessing. Now, blessing in the Hebrew is a gigantic concept. It involves all of what your potential is in life and every good thing that God could bring into your world in a way that would not give you, you know, luxury and riches, but in a way that would meet all of your needs. I mean, the 
The idea of blessing is this rich, deep thing that comes into your life that makes everything better in your world. Jesus says that the reward is his blessing on you, on everything that you do. And if we run through Matthew 5 again, we'll see the blessing on offer, being filled, having God's comfort, knowing his mercy, experiencing his peace, seeing souls saved, experiencing influence, having his provision. And it turns out that the blessings do not just spiritual, right? For, for those science buffs amongst us. It's interesting that science now tells us that fasting has a tremendous physical and neurological effect on our body. It reduces pain and rheumatoid arthritis and other inflammatory conditions. New research shows us that fasting seems to reset cellular metabolism. It reduces the symptoms of many neurological and psychiatric conditions. It's remarkable. And God said, this is the thing I want you to do. This thing matters. And if you will do this, I will bless you. So let's go to the main part of our text now, Matthew 6, 6, 6 16 to 18. Here we go. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, you've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head. Now, let's not take this literally. We need to understand what this is. Uh, First century, they used oil kind of like how we use hair product these days, just to look good. So don't go oiling your head. Put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only, here it is, to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There it is again. The first thing we notice when we look at the scripture is that it says when you fast, not if you fast. And I mean, this is Jesus speaking, right? So it's pretty clear that his point is, is that for us who follow Jesus, at some point, in some way, we will fast. It's meant to be an occasional but normal part of what we do. And yes, we've still got to look at what we fast from and why we fast and for how long. But here's the big lesson that has been repeated today in those two passages of Scripture. And I want you to get this. Fasting, when it's between you and God alone, is rewarded. That's a big deal. And so we should do it. Okay, then, how and why? Right. Now, fasting traditionally is from food. Biblically, it's from food. Sometimes it's from all food and water, though for never longer than a day, traditionally. Sometimes it's just from certain foods, from meat or rich food, especially if it's for longer periods. Now we read this in Daniel chapter 10, verse 3. He writes, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. It's often called the Daniel fast. I once did this. Now it's important to note something. Daniel not only fasted food, but he used no lotions. Okay, now in, in, in the Old Testament and ancient history, lotions were kind of used for like how we would use deodorant today. So this guy ate no food and used no deodorant for three weeks. Daniel was a committed man. Unfortunately, he was probably also a fairly stinky man. 
by the end of those 21 days. I don't think that we need to fast from deodorant. I'm just putting that out there. I think if you want to fast, I say go with the deodorant regardless. Okay, just saying. Good. Glad we got that clear. So what is fasting? Fasting takes away things that give us worldly or physical comfort and nourishment. Okay, it puts us voluntarily into a state of lack and discomfort. And being in such a state is powerful for several ways, for several reasons. First one is this. Fasting reveals things which control us. Attitudes, issues, weaknesses all come to the surface when we're a little bit hungry. I mean, we're all familiar with the phrase hangry, right? It's hungry and angry. Hangry, that's what that is. You see, fasting reveals what masters us and it offers us the opportunity to see those things and deal with them, to grow and mature in our godliness and character rather than just continuing to suppress them with food. You see, we cover up things in us with food and activities and other things. But in fasting, these things come to the surface. You see, food brings us comfort, right? I mean, has anyone ever sat in front of a movie and just gone, I need some comfort food, right? What are we saying? Uh, uh, I don't really need it, but I just, I don't know. I'm not not really loving how I'm feeling, so I'm going to have some comfort food. We have comfort food when we feel distressed. We have comfort food when we're feeling anxious. We have comfort food when issues are starting to come up in us, emotionally or mentally, that we don't want to deal with. That's what food does. Eating food suppresses those things. When we fast, it takes that away and allows those things to come up. Fasting then consecrates and prepares us for next steps. In Isaiah 58 verse 6, it shows that the first purpose of fasting is a correction to our hearts, to our attitudes and values. Let me read this to you, Isaiah 58 verse 6. This is God speaking, and he's, he's kind of saying what the Israelites are saying. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Now, God speaking. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Verse 6, is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will appear. See, fasting, God is saying, is not about giving up food for a day or two. It's actually about giving up sinful attitudes and actions that fasting often helpfully reveals. Look, I don't know about you when you go without food. For me, I feel out of control. I am easily irritated. I am easily angered. I become obsessed with food. I can literally smell food when I see pictures of food in magazines. It's the bizarrest thing. And not only uh, that, I try and distract myself so time goes more quickly. And if I'm suffering, if I'm really honest, I want people to see my suffering so they know how good a person I am. 
That's revealing, right? That shows a whole bunch of good stuff in me. But it's also really helpful because that shows the things in me that actually are unaddressed, the things in me which are not good and are not godly. That's really helpful. Because like tea bags, ladies and gentlemen, we all find ourselves in hot water occasionally. And the question is, what will come out of you when the heat is on? Will it be kindness, mercy, and wisdom, or will it be anger, irritation, and words you will later regret? See, fasting reveals the things then that I must deal with in my discipleship journey with Jesus. The second thing that fasting is so important for is that fasting focuses us on what is really important. I mean, fasting should always be coupled with prayer, prayer and fasting, fasting and prayer. See, when we fast, it it, it provides a laser-like focus on what the big issues are in our life, the things that matter the most. And that's partly why very often in Scripture we see people responding to a crisis, to an, to a, to a, an issue that is a big deal with urgency, and so they'll go and fast. Because all of a sudden there is something that is unbelievably important in their life, and they need to get serious with God about that. Fasting is a message to God that says, Lord, I will put my fleshly needs second for a minute. It says, Lord, we need your will done, and we will put aside our own comforts and disciplines and desires so that we can really get before you that you might hear us and that you might move. Ezra, when attempting to travel through hostile territory to return to Jerusalem, to, with Nehemiah, rebuild the wall, and for him specifically to rebuild the temple, he records this in chapter 8. He says, there by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our positions. And so we fasted and petitioned God about this and he answered our prayer. They took time to really focus on what was most important. And for them at that point, it was protection. They were going through very... uh, very dangerous territory. And they use that as a way to focus themselves and get them in God's face. Thirdly, fasting creates room to hear from God. Now, you may not realize this, but probably almost every day this week, you stopped between three and five times per day. You stopped, you stopped your work, you stopped your thinking about work, and you you took some time. Maybe three times, maybe more, maybe five times. What did you do? You focused on filling your belly. Breakfast, morning tea at 10, maybe an early lunch, afternoon tea, a pre dinner snack just because you got the munchies, dinner, pudding, or dessert. And then maybe just something because you're a bit hangry in front of the TV late at night. I mean, what we do is we stop. We pause in those moments and we do this activity. We fill our belly. That's what we do. When we fast and when we pray, what we do is we take those three to five periods of time, even brief periods of time each day. And in those periods, instead instead of eating, we take those times to pray. We take those times to turn our hearts towards God. That's what we do when we fast and pray. 
And it creates space in our day to hear from God. How many of us go through life going, oh, if someone said to you, what's God saying to you right now? You'd have no idea. Mostly it's because we're so busy. We fill every moment and yet you have three to five opportunities every day. And when you choose to fast one of those or two of those or all of those, and in those times turn your heart towards God, it creates room in our world for us to hear from God. We already heard how Paul and the other elders, when choosing key leaders to place in, in, in leadership of local churches, they would fast and pray and hear from God. Acts 13 verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the, the Holy Spirit said, God spoke. And they'd paused and they were able to hear him. Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And so after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Sometimes we need to do something to give us more room to hear from God. So, fasting, it's pretty useful. If it's so good and so useful, why don't we do it more, right? I think it's partly because we have made fasting inaccessible, we've made it legalistic, we've made it competitive, and we've made it public. Now, I've done a little bit of fasting over the years. I'm not a big faster. I've done bits and pieces over the years, though, and I'd like, you, I'd like to take you back to the beginning. I'm a brand new Christian. I hear about fasting. I'm like, man, this sounds awesome. I'm going to do it. And so I fasted uh, for six or seven days. My memory tells me it was six, but my pride tells me it surely must have been seven. Why would I have stopped at six? Seven it just sounds so much better. The problem was is that it was, it was hard. But it was also amazing. Like, man, talk about hearing from God and just getting clarity on things. It was an extraordinary time. But the truth is, after that, you know what? I kind of felt like a failure. I kind of felt like a failure because I didn't quite get to seven. I kind of felt a failure because, because even at that stage of my Christian walk, I believed that good Christians fasted longer. And longer was longer than whatever it was that I had done. I remember sometime later I tried again and I only got a couple of days in and found myself in McDonald's halfway through my second Big Mac before I realized what was going on. (laughs) More failure. Fast forward a few years and now I'm married and I've got kids and I'm working pretty big hours and I tried fasting a number of times and it was just hard and energy sapping and I got even more irritable with those around me than I already was and I'm telling you I realized that was no blessing for anybody even more failure and then I'd see some great leader somewhere on social media or something fasting for 40 days and you know I would talk to people who knew them if it was someone that I happened to you know, be within my sphere, I talked to people who knew them and it seemed that they were just as controlling and dysfunctional afterwards than when they had started. I'm like, maybe that was all the reward they were going to get. That everyone held them in awe and they were a bit skinnier. See, I'm absolutely convinced that fasting is not meant to be another thing you have to do. It's not meant to be another thing you're obligated to do to be a good Christian. It's not another law. Can I remind you of what Paul writes in Galatians 5? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I believe, team, that we need to take fasting back. 
We need to find the grace in it. That it was always meant to be, fasting was always meant to be a gift to us from the Lord. We've got to take it back into the closet, back into the secret place. And let's experience the blessing that God always intended this to be in our lives. I'll get the band to come now and come up. But so here's my challenge. Here's my challenge. Okay, we've got like 14 days left of our 21-day prayer time as Elam in this nation. Now, if fasting is already a discipline of grace for you, if you already do it, you already know God's blessings, man, that is so awesome. And I just say to you, keep on doing what you're doing. That is brilliant. But if you are more like me and it's a real struggle, I challenge you, listen to this, I challenge you in the next 14 days to play with fasting. Play with it. Experiment with it. Try something. Let's not get all hung up about if I'm going to fast, I'm going to do 21 days like Daniel did or 40 days like Jesus did or something else. Why don't we just play with it, trial it, experiment it, but do it in secret. Now, it's not that you can't tell your spouse or tell your kids why you're not at the tea table. That's not the point. But just as much as you can, resist the urge to kind of let people know that you're fasting. I don't like to make a big thing of it. It's just between me and the Lord, you know. But, you yeah, know, I haven't eaten for uh, 24 minutes now. Keep it between you and the Lord and have a play with it and see what God does. Because He's the one who promised this. He's the one who promised this. He said, look, if, if you come into the secret place and just do this between you and me, like just trust. Trust that actually there's more to be had from this, so much more than just a bit of kudos with your mates. Come and meet with me in this place and do that in secret. He's the one who said, I'm going to reward you and I'm going to bless you. This a whole bunch of stuff's going to come out of this. I think we need to try this, to play with this, to have some fun with this. And who knows, just maybe it might become part of our discipleship journey again going forward. So here's my suggestion. Number one, fast from food for a meal yeah, just one meal or if you really want to do more than that knock yourself out but I encourage you just to take a small step something that's just going to make you a little bit uncomfortable don't try and hit the marathon when you've never even run to the fridge just take a little step and pray during the time that you would be eating for that meal It'll be a little uncomfortable, but what if, if what Jesus said is true, there will be a blessing in there for you. Give it a try, I dare you. Secondly, I'm going to suggest you fast from, fast from social media. Just try it. Now, I know, I know there's a bunch of people going, hold on, hold on, that's not biblical. That's not a real fast. Well, firstly, there wasn't any social media back in their time, and I bet if there was, Jesus would have said, you get off your flipping phone for five minutes and come and pray. However... I want to suggest that you fast from social media for a day or a, a week. And, and here's the interesting thing, right? Some of you here are actually very, very uncomfortable with this suggestion. Because social media can be an addiction. It can be a coping mechanism to distract us from all sorts of issues we would rather not confront. I know, what, I know what it is to be having a bad day and any time you stop and thoughts come in about what has to be done or what went wrong, 
It is so easy to jump on social media and distract yourself for a few moments until you get the energy back to go back into what you're doing. That is terrible. That is not healthy. So for some of us, I dare you to fast from social media from, for a period of time just a little bit longer than maybe you're comfortable with. And look, just a little spoiler alert. Do you know what will happen to the world in your social media absence? Nothing. Try it. See where the blessing is. Let God prove His Word to you. Thirdly, I suggest this, that we play with fasting from your phone, from the texts, from the emails, from the notifications, from the, little, from the buzz buzz or the bleep bleep that lets you know that people really want you and need you and that you're important in this world and you haven't been forgotten. From the need to be needed. And instead, in the time when you would be checking your phone, why don't you take a moment, 10 seconds and pray. Talk to the Lord. Bring stuff before Him. Be present. Do whatever would be a little bit challenging for you. And then fourthly, I suggest this, that you fast from people for a day or two. Solitude, the practice of solitude, is one of the most important disciplines in church history. Jesus Himself would regularly go off by Himself. That means away from people. And He would just take some time with God and He would pray. Take a morning and just go and be in solitude, just you and the Lord, and talk to Him. So my challenge for you is to pick one of those and have a wee play in the next 14 days and give God an opportunity to prove His Word to you because here's the biblical truth that we've got to remember. That if we will go and do that to our Father who is unseen, then our Father who sees what is done in secret will reward us. You know what? Jesus gives very little direction in the Scriptures about what you should fast from, how long you should fast for, but He does communicate this and repeatedly that the outcome of fasting is reward from God. I mean, like, they should blow our minds. They should be so encouraging. They should be so exciting. The outcome is not that you suffer. It's not that you're in pain. It's not that you're humbled. Now, all of those will probably happen on the journey a little bit. But God's intention is that if you will fast between you and Him in secret, and if you will allow stuff to come up that needs to be dealt with, and if you'll get your priorities back in order, and if you'll make room to hear from Him, He rewards that. That is very, very significant. So let me ask you, what will you do over this period? I challenge you, fast a meal. If you've never fasted before, just do one meal and take that time to pray and see what God will do. Or fast from social media. For some of you, that is way more stressful than fasting food. Do it. Put it away. Leave it for half a day. And every 10 minutes when you'd normally be looking at social media, talk to the Lord. Or fast from your phone. Or fast from people. Or even better, over the next two, two weeks, at some point, why don't you try all of those? And let's see what God will do. Amen? Mighty God, we thank you for your word to us, Lord. We thank you for your desire, God, for us to, to in, our, in our lives, God, in our rhythm and in our flow, to find times when we draw closer to you when, you, when you help us work through things and grow. God, I thank you for the grace that fasting is for us. And I pray, God, that every one of us here will be bothered by this message and will be willing to go and just try something to play with this, God, that you might have opportunity 
to prove yourself in our lives. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty. Last thing is this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never taken that step of having a trust relationship with Him. Well, maybe you have, but you've drifted. And if I was to say to you, look, if you died tonight, would you be right with God? And you had to say, I'm not sure if I am right with God. Well, this is your opportunity. I just want to say this to you. God loves you. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so loved the Christians. But God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God wants you to know Him and experience His love and His plan for your life. The problem is, Romans chapter 3 says, we've all sinned, every one of us, me, you, we've sinned, we've fallen short of God's standard, of God's glory. It's our sin that keeps us separated from knowing God. That's why Jesus Christ came and died on that cross 2,000 years ago. The atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world, yours and mine. He did that so that our sins could be removed, that we might be forgiven because of what He did. We can come back into that place of closeness and reality with God. In John chapter 1, it says, to all those who received Him. That's it. To those who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. What an astonishing promise. It's not about you getting good enough. It's about you choosing to trust Him. That's what I did in a gas station on Manicare Road when I was 22 years old at 3 in the morning. Changed my life forever. If you need to get right with God this morning, as we all close our eyes and bow our heads, I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer along with me or something like it just in your heart between you and God right now. Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. But God, I admit I'm a sinner. It's my sin that keeps me separated from knowing you. Jesus, I choose to believe this morning that you died on that cross for me too. And I thank you for that. And right now, because of that, I receive your forgiveness for everything that I've done in my life right now. Thank you, Jesus. God, I commit myself to you. I receive you into my life. I believe and I choose to believe that you are my Savior and my Lord. And I pray that from this day forward as I commit to following you, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me. Be with me in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to ask you to keep your eyes closed and heads bowed just for one more moment. Because if you prayed that prayer this morning, I'd love to pray for you. But I'm not going to get you up or embarrass you or anything. But I would love to know who I'm praying for. So if you prayed that prayer this morning, if that's like, yeah, Mike, I prayed that. I got right with God this morning. Would you right now just lift your hand up like this, give me a wave, and then put it back down again saying, yeah, Mike, that was me. God bless you, bro. Unbelievable. So good. Is there anyone else here this morning saying, you might, God bless you, girl. God bless you. Outstanding. Anyone else here just saying, yeah, Mike, I, I got right with God this morning. I, I got things in order. Yeah, God bless you. It's so good. God bless you, bro. So good. whole bunch of us. Okay, you can put your hands back down now. Thank you, you guys. Absolutely amazing. Come on, church, let's pray. God, I thank you for everyone this morning who made that decision, who prayed that prayer, the decision of all decisions. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for every one of them, God, that I know that their lives are never going to be the same starting today. And God, I pray in Jesus' name, you surround them with your angels, God, like David prayed. I pray you watch over them and bless them, God. Continue to surprise them with your goodness. 
God, I pray you show, show them their next steps, God, as they go out now on this journey with you. God, I thank you, Lord, for the courage of these ones today. And I ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.